And this is the type of atmosphere that we can get chains broken. This is the type of atmosphere that, that we can get bondages broke off of us. Oh, this moment, it's, it's, it's heavy and it's thick and God's anointing is falling in this place. And if you need prayer, if you're ready to surrender and get down at his altar and ask for his forgiveness and ask for him to grow close to you, now is the time. Don't pass this moment up. We're in the midst of a beautiful moment of the presence of God. And he's letting us know that draw close to me and I will draw close to you. Yes, yes. If you need a breakthrough, if you need a blessing, now is the time. Now is the time to get in his presence. Show yourself faithful. If you are faithful in the little things, then he, you know what he says, if you, if you will be faithful in little, he will give you more responsibility. But show yourself faithful. If you won't even be faithful enough to get on your knees in his presence when you know he's here, you're not going to do it when you're away from here. Mm, Jesus, Jesus. I, I, I just feel, feel an electricity and excitement this morning. I don't know if y'all feel it, but it is heavy, and it is amazingly heavy. So I'm going to pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. Most importantly, with thankfulness, we should always be thankful and thank you. Thank you for your presence. Because your presence, it is a weapon against the darkness, but it's a reward for anything. It can take away pain and pressure. It can take away anxiety. It can take away depression. And I thank you. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for allowing us to have a place to come to, to get to join, join together and lock arms with brothers and sisters and worship you. Because when two or more gather in your name, you promise to be there. And your word says that, I'm sorry, Michelle, I smacked you, but the word says that one can turn away a thousand but two can turn away 10,000. So we come together and we lock arms and we pray and we worship and we praise in this house. The power of God exponentially multiplies in such a way that no darkness can withstand. Man, I heard something amazing said this week and it said all the darkness in the world can't even put out a single candle. There's so much fear going around right now. I heard a guy say, you know what fear stands for? False evidence appearing real. Soak that in. Let that soak in. So this morning, this, this altar is still open. It is still open this morning. If you need prayer, people are surrendering at the altar. And now is the time. More than ever, now is the time. Now is the time. How many times does the Lord have to say, seek me while you still can? Or seek me while the time, there's still time. How many times does he have to say it? Complacency ain't going to get it. Being a good person ain't going to get it. Jesus says he is the true vine. Anyone who is separated from him is cut off. His father's the vine dresser. And apart from, apart from the vine, you can do nothing at all. Absolutely nothing. Holy Spirit, have your way. Guys, can we, while they're praying, can we, do we have anything we can continue with? Have your way, have your way. This Let is how we fight our battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. This is how 
to let the heavy burdens, to lift the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke. Break every yoke. That's what he said to us. And, And the scripture also says that the anointing doesn't just break the yoke. The anointing destroys, destroys the yoke. So anything yeah. that can be broken can be fixed. It can be mended. But the anointing destroys it. We don't have to go there anymore, Shay. We don't have to live there anymore. We don't have to be there anymore. We don't have to live under condemnation or anything else anymore. Not because we're so wonderful, but because the anointing of the Lord has broken yokes. I feel like he's broken yokes in here today. I feel like people don't have to turn around and go back where they were yesterday or even this morning or even on their way to church today. But the anointing has has destroyed that. It's not just broken it. I don't know if you can see it, but something is definitely amazingly happening in in our teenagers, our youth. There's there's a unity coming about. There's there's a spiritual growth coming about in them, um, and and it's it's turning into something very beautiful, very very beautiful. They are coming up behind us, and if we don't teach them, train them lead them in God's word, then we're not going to get anything better than what we already have. And what we already have, as you can see, is looking pretty disturbing, right? So if we don't train them to be different, to stand up for the Lord, there's going to be nobody left to do it. There's going to be nobody left to do it. So some beautiful things are taking place. But I want to pray, and then y'all have done an amazing job, worship team, just haven't they, over the last several weeks, have you not felt the anointing in their singing? Have you not felt just the amazing anointing and you could see their obedience to God and it's coming out in their worship, in their leading worship. So, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, again, I thank you. Thank you dearly for your presence in this place. Your presence is what makes the difference. It doesn't matter what kind of skills we enter this place with. If we enter this place with skills but without your presence, it means absolutely nothing. Because it's your presence, your Holy Spirit that makes the difference in anything we do. Your Spirit is the one that brings the anointing. Our gifts do not bring the anointing, Lord. And I thank you for your presence in this house. I thank you. I pray that you open the hearts of everyone who's going to receive the message today. I pray that you you just let it let it be a, a, a fiery hot poker, Lord, that just gets them jumping into action. No more complacency. No more sitting on the sideline. No more waiting for for well, I could get right later. No more of this, Lord. Just just an urgent call to say, okay, now is the time. Now is the time. 
we love you. We give you all the praise, all the glory. I pray for your anointing to just flood this place as it is and let it stay. And we ask that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Y'all ready for the word of the Lord now? <laughs> if you ain't, you better get ready. So, Pastor, he's been in Revelation, and he's been doing a fantastic job, has he not? He's been doing a fantastic job in Revelation, just helping us have understanding and just teaching us really good things of how to understand what we see in the book of Revelation and things to prepare for the end times, things to prepare for the tribulations and things that we're coming across, all right? The last, the last message I preached was, but God, you know, and, it, and I felt like at that time God was saying, no matter how bad or how ugly things get, there has to be a but God, has to be a but God in your sense. And it was very encouraging, right? Because it was where my flesh and my heart may fail, but it, it says my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever, right? That's what it says. And so, you know, he, he said we have to, we have to look to him, you know, um, I preached out of Exodus that last time and talking about the Red Sea and how God led Israel to the Red Sea. You know, he said he led them by way of the Red Sea instead of through the land of the Philistines because through the land of the Philistines would have brought on war. And he said he was afraid the Israelites would have seen war and wanted to go back to Egypt. He said, so he led them by the way of the Red Sea and it said they left Egypt prepared for battle. Right. And I had heard another pastor say about that. You know, he said they might have left prepared for battle or they were left dressed for battle. But were they ready for battle? They weren't because that's why God didn't take them through the land of the Philistines. And that's where he was. He it prompted me that one day to ask you all. Yes, you might be dressed for battle this morning, but are you really ready? Are you truly prepared for battle? Are you prepared for a battle to come in the spirit? Right? Are you prepared that we don't we don't fight things in flesh and blood, we fight things in spirit. Principalities of darkness is what we fight against, and we fight in the spirit, not in the flesh. So are you are you spiritually prepared this morning to fight the battle that's coming? I left off on my last on the last sermon, but God, this is but God part two. Right? Part two. So um you know, the, I, it was awesome how this came up this morning. Uh, the last sermon, you know, was sweet. It, it was a little more sweet. Well, it was awesome how in my one of my reading plans, it was Revelation 10 that hit this morning, and it was the it was the one about the small scroll that they he told John to eat, right? And he said it started off sweet, but then it turned sour in his stomach. You know, and I would say the first one was sweet. Well, this one's going to be a little sour. <laughs> so. Good sour, no, well, good sour as far as uncomfortable. So, so I left off in Romans five last time, and I'm gonna pick back up in Romans five because everything should start with the blood of Christ and end with the blood of Christ, right? Everything, because it's the blood of Christ is the only way we can even stand up here and do what we do in front of the presence of the Lord. It's only by the blood of Christ that we are made right. In the presence of the Lord. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He sent Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And it says, and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Okay. Now, pastor has been He's been preaching about um, the seven seals and, and the seven trumpets over the last couple of weeks. Well, that's all about God's condemnation. That's God's time of trial or tribulation upon the earth um, for, for the people who choose the earth and not him. For people who choose the ways of the world and not choose God, right? And it's saying right here, it's so important. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, 
he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. That is a beautiful thing because in here, I, I, I feel certain that everyone in here has accepted the blood of Christ. Everyone in here has accepted Christ into their hearts and said, I choose you, right? I choose you. So the two questions popped up. So does that mean we get a free pass to sin? Does that mean we can live however we want? I've accepted Jesus. Why not? <laughs> you know, if he paid for my sins, why can't I just do whatever I want to do? Jude 1, verse 3 through 5. And I'll slow down instead of firing off at it. Somebody told me I had a little bad habit of saying the scripture. And then, da, 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 da. I don't know what he said. <laughs> Jude 1, verse 3 through 5 says, My dear friends, I was doing my best to write to you about the salvation we share in common. When I felt the need of writing at once to encourage you to fight on for the faith which once and for all God has given to his people. Fight on is what he's saying. Fight on for the faith. God has given us this faith to trust in him and believe in him, right? And to choose him now. It says, for some, for some godless people have slipped in unnoticed among us, persons who distort the message about the grace of God in order to excuse their immoral ways. That's important. Um, hang on, hang on. In order to excuse their... Sorry, I done lost my place. Oh, immoral ways. It says, and who... They, they also reject Jesus Christ, our only master and Lord, right? It says, long ago, the scriptures predicted the condemnation they have received. And then verse 5 says, for even though you know all this, I want to remind you of how the Lord once rescued the people of Israel from Egypt, but afterward destroyed those who did not believe. What? The Lord destroyed those who did not believe, right? We, I feel like in my spirit, and I was telling the pastor about this yesterday, there's a mindset that, that there, there's, a, there's a misunderstood mindset, right? Everything pastor's been preaching about in the seals, in the tribulation, I don't think we fully understand, you know, that God is saying right now, seek me, seek me, seek me while there's still time. Seek me while you still can. Seek the kingdom first, right? He's saying all these seek me's and he's petitioning like, please do it now because there's going to come a time where you can't, where it's too late. And he's saying, seek me now before you face me then. Who's ready for that? He's saying, if you don't seek me now, you have to face me then. And you think you're going to choose me when you have to face me? You think you're going to choose me when I'm your attacker? But why? I've given you every single opportunity to get right, to choose me, choose my son. I've given you every opportunity to do this beforehand. And I've even told you what was coming. So get right now. 2 Timothy 2.19 Said, but God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. The foundation stone. What's the foundation stone? The cornerstone. That's Jesus, right? That's that foundation stone. That's the foundation that can't be shaken. But if your foundation is not in Jesus Christ, you can be shaken. If you try to go God, if you try to go to God with your own self-righteousness, don't you know that the accuser of the brethren is going to eat you alive? There's a beautiful story in Zechariah 3. Right? And, and Zechariah was given like six prophecies all in one time, all at one night, they believed. And in it, they show, they show Zechariah a vision of the high priest at the time. And the high priest at the time was Joshua. Most Bibles say Joshua. Some versions say Jeshua, right? But Joshua was the high priest. You had Zerubbabel, Joshua. They were the leaders. But Joshua was the high priest and leader of the people of Israel. And 
And in the vision, God, or the angel, it says the angel, right? It shows, shows Zechariah. Well, I'm going to read Zechariah 3, 1 and, and go on from there. And it says, Then the angel showed me Joshua, the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. Who's the angel of the Lord? Jesus, right? That's the angel of the Lord. It says the accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand making accusations against Joshua. Okay, and this is Satan. This is this is that heavenly court again where God is sitting on the throne judging. Right. And he's showing Zechariah this vision. Okay, It says, and the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusations, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. Nobody but the Lord can rebuke the accusations that Satan throws against you. And he will. He stands before God day and night saying, have you seen your son do this? Have you seen your son do that? But it's the blood of Christ that gives us freedom when we stand trial before the Lord. All right. The amazing thing says in verse three. Joshua, Joshua's clothing was filthy as he stood there before the angel. Well, he's the high priest, right? He's the high priest. He's the leader of this tribe. Why wouldn't he be dressed in his best for court? Said because even our righteousness is filthy rags before the Lord. Said it doesn't matter how you come to God. It doesn't matter how you appear before the Lord. It doesn't matter. Because the Lord is the one who can cleanse you. It says, so the angel, the angel, which is the angel of the Lord, said to the other standing there, take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Joshua, he said, see, I have taken away your sins. And now I am giving you these fine new clothes. This is Jesus. He's the only one who could take away those sins and give him those fine new clothes. All right. Now, what I want to skip to is verse nine. And it says, now look at the jewel I have set before Joshua, a single stone with seven facets, a stone, right? What's that foundation stone, that cornerstone again? As Jesus, he says, I, I will engrave an inscription on it, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and I will remove the sins of this land in a single day. Well, we know fast forward, that's exactly what he did. By the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, it removed the sins of that land in a single day. But the important thing is when you stand up for the Lord, the Lord stands up for you. And when, when it, the accusations are going to come. And if you think you can stand on your own two feet and fight against the enemy, you're sorely mistaken because he's going to eat you alive. All right. In Revelation 8 and 9, it says that, um, well, Jesus, he breaks the seventh seal of the scroll. And after a period of silence, right, that period of silence, pastor said, is, was like shock and awe. You know, they finally break the seventh seal and everybody's like, huh. they're waiting. Like, what's going to happen next? Said the seven angels who stand before God were given seven trumpets. With each trumpet blast came a terrible calamity upon the earth. Starting in Revelation 8, 7 comes the first trumpet blast. So the first trumpet blast is made. It says hail and fire mixed with blood were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth is set on fire, a third of the trees and all of the green grass is burned. You know, and I kept I tried to think about that. And I'm like, man, you know, why? How does I want to relate this to real like like what's the significance of that happening? What damage is that going to do? Right. Well, in Psalms, in Psalms 104, I come across yesterday, it was just talking about how God, God, you know, he, he grows the green grass for the animals. You know what I mean? It, 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 the green grass feeds the animals. The plants, for people, there's, there's medicines, food from plants for people. The trees for the animals, the birds um, it, it nest in the trees, right? And then my son surprisingly he shocked the mess out of me coming here well dad the trees make oxygen too and i was like whoa right yeah that's right look <laughs> so if a third of the trees are burned 
there, it's going to definitely reduce the amount of oxygen that's being created, right? And we live off of oxygen. If we don't have oxygen, we in trouble. So, and, it's, and that's serious. And if you think about that and you picture that, all this stuff being burned up, there being oxygen shortages, there's being all these things, that's, that's bad. It's really bad. Then the second trumpet, a great mountain of fire was thrown into the sea. A third of the water in the sea became blood. A third of all living things in the sea died. And a third of all the ships of the sea were destroyed. And like Pastor said, he believes what he was saying is the water will become buoyant like blood or it will lose its buoyancy or it will be more buoyant, you know, and, and the ships basically won't be able to sit upright in it. They'll be capsized and, and turned over and, and just all the sea life will start to die. There won't be, we'll have less fish and, and anything else that goes along in the sea. The third trumpet says a great star fell from the sky and fell upon a third of the rivers and the springs of water. The star's name was Wormwood. Um, for us, we call that bitterness. We would say bitterness in our, in, in our language is bitterness, but um, Wormwood is Greek, right? And, and Pastor spoke about the, the power plant. There was a nuclear power plant in Ukraine that, that melted down, and its name was Chernobyl, right? Well, in Ukraine, Wormwood is Chernobyl. Now, I don't know how big of a coincidence that is, but that is a mighty significant coincidence that in Ukraine, wormwood means Chernobyl. And that was the name of the plant that melted down. Chernobyl means wormwood. Politically correctness. Um, and a third of the water, the third of the, uh, it made a third of the water bitter and many people died from drinking the water, right? So um, there is also a story of the bitter waters throughout the Bible also that, that do different things. But this, this particular bitter water is going to be poisoned. This will be poisoned water and it's basically going to kill a third of the population or a third of people die. Then the fourth trumpet says a third of the sun, a third of the moon, a third of the stars were struck and became dark. A third of the day was dark and a third of the night and so and also a third of the night. Right. And, and uh, well, I like what Pastor was saying, you know, without the light, you know, the, the sun generates warmth for us, you know. And when that type when the sun goes away, it's going to cause all kinds of problems. Um, it, it'll be colder than we could even imagine without the sun. A third of the moon. The moon also helps with the seas and everything. Right. And imagine it being pitch black where you could see nothing because even at night you could still see light from the moon. So that's even scary, right? But now we get on into the, the meat. Revelation 8.13 says, And I looked, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because the, because the remaining blasts of the trumpets of the three angels who are about to sound. And he's telling them, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, I, I liked it because I went and checked all translations, right? And out of all the translations, you get, whoa, whoa, whoa. Terror, terror, terror. Horror, horror, horror. Doom, doom, doom. If that is not a wake-up call to pay close attention, I don't know what else is. Because not a one of them mean fluffy rainbows you know what i mean none of that means anything like it's going to get better 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 no it's only going to get worse 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 okay and in in revelation 9 starting the fifth trumpet which is the first woe the fifth trumpet is the first woe it says a star falls on earth from the sky a star falls from earth from the sky and the interesting thing it says and he a star fell from earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. When he opened it, smoke poured out and darkened the sunlight and air. Then locusts that looked like horses prepared for battle came from the smoke and were given power to sting like scorpions. Now, I'm not saying word for word. When, when I put this together, I, 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 let me let y'all know, I'm not saying word for word with the scripture itself. I'm paraphrasing some of it just because it was so much embodied. So I'm paraphrasing some of it. All right. And it says, then locusts that looked like horses prepared for battle came from the smoke and were given power to sting like scorpions. They were told to torture those without the seal of God on their foreheads for five months, not kill 
but torture. And it says, in those days, people will seek death, but not find it. How bad does it have to be to seek death and not be able to find death? Like, God, kill me now, please. I want to die now. Just take me out. He's like, oh, no. Death would be, at that time, death would be a blessing. He said, but you chose this. You chose this. Why you want out? I asked you to choose me before, but you, you chose this. What you want to leave for? Joel 2, I, I, this was interesting. Joel 2, 1 through 11 is the prophecy, right? Way ahead of time, it's the prophecy of the locust. And that was way before Revelation. But Joel 2, 11 is, is what's very important. Joel 2, 11. And this is where I, the people's mindset, I don't think they fully understand what they're facing because Joel 2.11 says, the Lord is the head of the column. He leads them with a shout. This is his army and they follow his orders. The day of the Lord is an awesome, terrible thing. Who can possibly survive? Do y'all hear that? There's this terrifying army that comes out of the bottomless pit that is these crazy scary looking locusts right i'm not gonna say it drew and then there's these crazy scary looking terrifying locusts that that have all of these different traits but have the power to sting like scorpions they're the size of horses you know all these things and we're like oh man that's got to be evil <laughs> this is the lord's army do you do you fully understand that this is what you have to face if you try to get right in the tribulation, this is what you choose. This is a choice, right? Choices alter your course. And if you choose this, that's where you go. But it's not his will for you to choose this. It's his will for you to be saved. And he said, just accept me now. Going back to Revelation 6, verse 15 through 17. I like this because it says, then everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, and every slave and free person all hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they cried to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. Do you hear that? This is the wrath of the lamb. You're not, you're not facing evil. You're facing the wrath of the lamb who, who by his blood sets you free. And you choose to face that wrath if you don't choose him now. If you can't accept him and serve him while it's easy now, do you think you're going to be able to do it then? Because here it's saying that, People are going to run to the rocks and they're going to ask the rocks and the mountains to fall on them, to hide them from the wrath of the Lord because it's going to be almost impossible to be made right in that time. And verse 17 says, For the great day of their wrath has come. Who is able to survive? So we've seen that twice. The great day, the Lord's wrath is a terrible and awesome day. Who is able to survive? I mean, I know we're going through difficult times right now, but it ain't nothing like this. Absolutely nothing. And you have the freedom of choice now to choose him, to serve him. And if you can't do it now, when it's no more easy to just come up here or even where you're sitting, wherever you are, and say, Jesus Christ, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Be the Lord of my life. I pray that you forgive my sins. If you can't do that now, sitting where you are, you think you're going to do it then? You know, what do you mean? The Lord is the head of the army and the wrath is the Lord's. These are just questions that pop in my head just, just to ask. And he said, why would a good God do this? Why? Because we've been warned and warned and warned. Just like his whoa, whoa, whoa. When you see him say things three times, 
pay attention. He said, we've been warned and warned and warned. And because we were given the we were given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to repent and turn back to the Lord. These, this is why. We've already been, he's given us everything we need. He's given us all the information we need. He's given us his son. He's given us the blood of his son to make ourselves right. And it's as simple as choosing it. There ain't even a knife to your throat right now to choose it. Because the next time a knife is to your throat, it's going to be to deny it. Do you understand that? Choose him now. Jeremiah 35, 15 says, I have sent, I have sent to you all my servants, the prophets, sending them persistently, saying, turn now every one of you from his evil way and amend your deeds and do not go after other gods to serve them. And then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to you and your fathers, but you did not incline your ear or listen to me. I love it because all in there it says, for those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the Lord is saying. The Lord is speaking. Um, look at the parable of the tenants, parable of the evil farmers, right? In that parable, you know, a landowner, he goes in and he prepares this vineyard. He puts up walls. He, he plants, he plants the, the crops. He puts up a tower. Then he, he moves away and he leases it out to tenant farmers. Okay, well, at the time of the harvest, I'm fixing to say it, but I got it wrote down too. At the time of the harvest, he sends a servant back to go get his portion of the crop. Well, they beat his servant and send him back empty-handed. Well, so over, over the period of time, he sends several more servants, and they either get killed or beaten, right? And we know we're talking about the prophets that have come and said, hey, you know, get right with God, get right with God. Well, then he says, okay, there's only one left, and that's my son. Well, surely they will respect my son. But they say when they see his son, there's the heir to, to the kingdom. Let's kill him and take it for ourselves. Well, Mark 12, 9 is wrote in red. And he says, what do you suppose the owner of the vineyard will do? Jesus asked. I'll tell you. He will come and kill those farmers and lease the vineyard to others. That's exactly what he will do. For all those who choose the world over the Lord, you are denying Christ. You're denying his son, and you're trying to take the kingdom of earth instead of receive the kingdom of heaven. So the sixth trumpet blows. Second woe. After all this mess is happening, and I know all that sounds, if you can just picture in your mind as you hear these trumpets and the calamity that's happening, you know, if you still want to be here, you're like an adrenaline junkie or something. That's why you just want to be, you just want to be in the midst of this craziness just so you can see something crazy happen. You know what I mean? But it says, four angels whom were bound at the great Euphrates River were released and turned loose to kill a third of all the people on earth. The size of their army was 200 million mounted troops. A third of all the people on earth were killed by fire and smoke and burning sulfur that came from the mouths of the horses. You know, and then the, the really interesting part is, the, yes, this is a really scary army. This is an army that has horses that spew fire and sulfur and, and, and all kinds of things. And it kills a third of the earth with all of this, this darkness and, and choking people out and burning people. But Revelation 9.20 is, is the hard part because it says, but the people who did not die in these plagues, all the other plagues, all the trumpets, all the seals, right? All the bad people who did not die still refuse to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. How stinking stubborn do you got to be to want to choose the world over the love of Christ? But that's our whole point. That's our biggest, that's our, our biggest driving factor right now with the youth. To get them 
into the presence of God, to get them into the presence of the Holy Spirit, to let them have their own encounters and testimonies with the love of God so that when somebody says that, that it's not real, they can say, oh, no, let me tell you what he's done. You know, that's, that's the whole point of this in to get them to where they know without a doubt and they have their own stories and testimonies of what God has done and, and they can't be shaken. They can't be shaken if this is what we push for. And I believe the Lord is honoring it. And if you can't see it from what from things that are taking place, then you're not looking. The Lord, and it's, it's as long as any of us go at this with a pure heart, if we go at this with a pure, humble heart and we say, God, we just want what you want. I don't want you kids to lean on anything we say if it's apart from the Lord. I don't want y'all to do what we want y'all to do. I want y'all to do what he wants y'all to do. That's what it's all about. Then Revelation 9.21 says, And they did not repent of their sexual, uh, they did not repent of their murders or their witchcraft, or their sexual immorality, or their thefts. Well, I heard a guy sort of define these, and, and he defined it as murder, hatred, or violence. We know what murder is, but it's just hatred and violence, right? And, and, and the Lord says, you know, God says he is love. And if we don't know God, we don't know love. So if you have hatred and violence, that means you don't know God because you don't know love. But if you think you know God, but you don't know the Holy Spirit, then you don't know love either because love is a fruit of the Spirit. So apart from the Spirit, you still don't know love. And so that's where hatred and violence comes from, is anything that is apart from the presence of God or the Spirit of God. Witchcraft or sorcery, this one I found very interesting. In Greek, the word is pharmakeia, pharmakeia, which is drug abuse poisoning, magical arts, right? But pharmakeia, meaning drug abuse. So drug abuse is a form of witchcraft or sorcery. And that's a choice. Sexual immorality, just loving pleasure more than God, loving the things of the, of the flesh more than you love the things of the spirit. But I can promise you from my own testimonies that when I finally gave up the things of the flesh for the things of the Spirit, I received something greater than I ever thought I had to begin with. And the thing is, you won't know it until you try it. You, I can tell you all day, I can tell anyone all day that when I finally let go of this thing, I wanted to hold on so tight because I enjoyed it. You know, I didn't want to give it up when I finally did. God hit me with the biggest dose of His Spirit I've ever been hit with. And like, what in the world was I thinking? Because there's nothing. One moment in the presence of God is greater than any worldly thing that you would cling to. Greater than any drug, greater than any drink, greater than anything you would cling to. It's one moment in the presence of God. Find that one moment, and it makes things a lot easier to get rid of. Seek him first, and you will find that moment. Seek the kingdom, and he'll take care of everything else. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. So, you'll find that moment when you seek him wholeheartedly. And in theft, you know, we know what theft is, but he, he just basically said, we don't judge, but God can and does. You know Everybody knows, you know, just, just willing. And that, that has to do with, the word is slipping my mind, but um, integrity, right? It has to do with our integrity, you know, theft. But stealing from a brother or sister, and it could be, there's many forms of theft. You know, I like, you know, something as simple talking to younger kids, and they're like, well, I don't steal. I'm like, well, have you ever accidentally taken somebody's pencil or pen? You know? And still theft. So, but I didn't mean it. Well, does it change the fact that it's still theft? All right. But that's integrity and that's being able to say, okay, God, I am sorry for this. Or even be able to tell that person, I'm sorry I stole your pencil or pen. You know, just, just integrity is important, you know. And, and so he went on to say, 
You know, most of us are guilty as charged on all accounts. Most of us guilty on all accounts. He said, but God didn't save us to leave us where we were. He saved us to change us. And that's the point. That's the point. I love when pastor says you can come in with issues, but you can't stay the same. I probably didn't say that exactly how he says it, but it's close, huh? <laughs> you can come in that way, but you can't stay that way. Did I say it right? No, nope. Still ain't said it right. <laughs> we'll talk. Tell me later. <laughs> I know, right? But just my way of doing it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's paraphrasing. <laughs> Joel 2, verse 12 and 13 says, That is why the Lord says, Turn to me now while there's time. This is what he's saying. You hear this message. Hear the word of the Lord now. Now. Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. This morning we saw fasting, weeping, and mourning. And then Mima even said about fasting. Come with fasting. I can't remember exactly what you said, but it was really good. But the, just the fasting, the sacrifice, you know. <laughs> Isaiah said, Mima said what Isaiah said. Break every yoke, that's it. And he's breaking yokes. And that's, you could see the fasting, the mourning, the, just, just the amazing chains being broken this morning. Yokes being broke off. It says, he says, don't tear your clothing. You know, in, in uh, Israelite traditions, when there was anger, you knew they were angry because they started ripping clothing off. They started tearing their garments, and <laughs> it sounds, but they tore their garments, you know, and you knew they were mad. And then they threw dust on their heads. And I'm like, I couldn't even see us throwing dust on our heads nowadays. But they ripped their clothing, threw dust on their heads. You knew when the Israeli was mad. You're like, that guy's fired up. We better stay away from him. So um, said, don't tear your clothing in grief, but tear your hearts. That's the thing, man. What God is, is just it's so powerful that it's all about our heart condition, all about our heart condition. Tear your hearts instead. You could try your best to be perfect by God's law, but you're going to still fail it somewhere. And it's you're missing the whole point if you're trying to rely on the law to be right. Because you're going to fail it. And God says, it doesn't matter what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. You could, you could be perfect in all rights by, God's, by, by the law. But if your heart is far from me, what does it all matter? What does any of it matter if your heart is far from God? You could be the most pious, perfect person in the world. But if you don't know love, you're what? Bankrupt. You're a clanging cymbal. A, a gong, you know, that's all you are if you don't know love. Just tear your hearts. Return to the Lord your God, and he will, and he, for he is merciful and compassionate. That is where our Lord is. He is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish you. But the thing is, he's saying now. Not then, because it's not going to be that way then. <laughs> it's now. If you choose him now before it's too late, he may not be so eager to relent and not punish you then. Because your foe isn't Satan then. Your foe is the Lord. And that's scary. That's scary. He is the only one who can do anything about anything. It's his breath. In our lungs, right? That's what it is. It's his breath in our lungs. Imagine how fast he could take that breath away and you want to face him. You want to roll around and say, oh, I'm going to get right later. And all he, he, I mean, he could snap his fingers and the breath be taken out of your body that quick. And that's what you want to fight against. Revelation 7, verse 9, then 13 through 15 says, and I saw after this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, 
from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. That's verse 9. But going on to verse 13, it says, Then one of the 24 elders asked me, Who are these who are clothed in white? Where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you are the one who knows. I like that John. Like the elder asked John, Who are these people? And he's like, Sir, you're the one who knows. Why are you asking me? You know? And, but, and he's like, You know. And the guy, and, and he said, Then he said to me, These are the ones who died in the great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. That is why they stand in front of God's throne and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will give them shelter, right? And that's, that's powerful. And it sounds amazing, right? But what it's talking about, I've heard it called in other times, tribulation saints, right? These are the, these are the people who chose Christ during the tribulation and were martyred. And, and they're, they're alive, they had to be martyrs for Christ. And these are tribulation saints. But what I want you to understand is it's amazing, but it says the tribulation saints serve God in heaven day and night. We are his church. We are his church. And it says that, that the church, who is the bride of Christ, will reign with Christ. That is what it's saying. So it's basically saying, you know, it might be reading too much into this, but... It speaks to a greater reward for choosing him now versus choosing him then. So, depends on what you want to be. Now, anything in the presence of God is amazing, but it clearly speaks to if you choose him now, you are considered a bride of Christ and you will reign with Christ in heaven. By trying to be right during the tribulation, as hard as it's going to be, says you're going to serve the Lord. You will be called a servant, not a bride. So let that sink in. And he says, blessed are those who believe but have not seen. That's, that's another amazing thing, right? We, we, it's easy to believe in what you see. But even more blessed are those who believe when they haven't seen. You know? And just, just looking at things right now, I... Things are very confusing in the world. You look out there and you see just a lot of craziness. And as, as believers, we believe in God's word, right? We believe in God's word and, and we know God's word and we see what's happening. But it's like, if maybe if I don't look at it, it really ain't happening. Because it's lining up way too much with what we know. But the problem is it's not going away. So it's get right now or... Be lost then. Revelation 3, 10. This, this is the angel speaking, and he says, this is the angel speaking to the church of Philadelphia, and he says, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world. To test those who dwell on the earth. Choose me now. And if you do, he's saying, I will keep you from the hour of trial. This is, this is the angel which, which we believe is Jesus with the way he's explained because it's an angel of the Lord. But he's saying, if you follow my command and you keep my command to persevere, I will keep you from the hour of trial that will come upon the whole world. And it will test, it says to test those who dwell on the earth. And when they say, when it's talking about dwelling on the earth, it's talking about the people who choose earth. The people who choose, those people that it talks about that says even after all this, they still chose, to, they still refuse to repent. That is exactly what it's talking about. Those who choose the world. So if you're standing in the midst of that calamity, it's saying that you're choosing to be in the midst of that calamity. In Isaiah 55, which is which really close to Joel, and he's saying, seek the Lord while you can find him. 
Right now, you can find him. He was present in this house this very day. He was present. He's saying, seek him while you can find him. Call on him while he is near. He was near this morning. If you needed an opportunity or a moment with him and you let it pass, it's going to get worse, harder and harder to find those moments. We can't let the presence of God pass from us, pass from our grip when we have just a moment to be in it. We done said one moment is greater than anything. And when he gives us those moments, we're choosing not to get in them if we don't. The choice, it's terrible when you choose not to. He said, let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. He's right now, if you choose me now, I will forgive generously. But if you wait till then, you got to face me. I am your enemy. I am your attacker. These armies that come out of the bottomless pit are his. They're not Satan's. And I close with Jude 1, 24. It says, now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. That is through Jesus Christ. That is through the blood of Christ. Even my last thing I got on there is thank you, Jesus. The last thing I got because it is the blood of Christ. We started with the blood of Christ and we are finishing with the blood of Christ because it is the blood of Christ that will bring us into the presence of God without a single fault, right? And, but, but the thing is knowing this, knowing this, why do we forsake it? Why do we step on it? Knowing this, knowing how amazing this is, why do we forsake it? <laughs> the blood of Christ is amazing, and that's, he's saying, God's saying more and more than ever now. Choose me now while there's still time. He's begging, and he's pleading, and he's saying, just choose me now. He's, I, I, please choose me now because I don't want you to have to go through what I'm going to bring upon you. It's not my will for one to be unsaved, to go to hell. It's his will for everyone to be saved. But you have a choice. So y'all stand with me, please. I want to pray. Well, I want to pray. Pastor's really good at these the closing. I got to get better at these closings, but you know, hear the word of the Lord. 